Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Five, four, three, two, one. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. A confirmed attack is taking place against the United States. Aliens from an unknown location have been reported in multiple states. We are controlling transmission. There is another world that awaits, far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. What you believe might not be. Step into the zone of the best unknown. UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracies and cover-ups. And to the paranormal we go. With Jeremy Scott. From the uh, freezing... And frozen, cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon in the remote Pacific Northwest. I am Jeremy Scott. Knock on wood, we're going to stay on the air tonight, although uh, outside, I have not been there in several days. I've been huddled inside. Uh, Somebody said, hunker in your bunker, and that's exactly what we've been doing. Uh, We did lose a little power on Saturday for a couple of hours Well, it was more like seven hours, Uh, but now the ice has moved in, and so we're literally caked in ice, and I can hear the tree branches a-crackling. And so if all of a sudden it's just, well, you'll know why. But hopefully that will not happen. We've uh, we've got anchors upon anchors keeping us uh, upright and on the air tonight, of course, but one thing we cannot control is the internet and the power, and there are many who uh, are without, not only here in the Pacific Northwest, but across many parts of the country here. I mean, it is midwinter, but uh, this is bitter cold days upon end, and many people have been without power for days upon end. Spoiled food, the list goes on and on and on. But to the topic at hand tonight, not even two weeks into the year, there have been two major developments on UFO disclosure, as expected. If you listen to our end-of-the-year review show, Declassified, we broke down almost every major development that happened last year. The year when the classified was declassified. And uh, very early in this year, We uh, just, in fact, a couple of uh, a week or so, a little over a week or so ago, 
we got word that there would be a top-secret meeting happening among members of Congress. This is not one of those open hearings that we've had, you know, about three of them in the last, uh, what, year and a half or so, but one behind closed doors, one in which uh, there was no media in attendance. So we don't really know what was discussed, but just think about it on its surface. How big of a deal is this? That there is a behind-closed-doors, top-secret meeting on unidentified flying objects, what used to be known as flying saucers, now, of course, is UAP. In its current form, it's unidentified anomalous phenomena. It's a big deal, because it proves that this subject is so serious that it can only be discussed seriously behind closed doors. Members of Congress, of course, took part in that classified UFO briefing last week with the nation's top spy chief. The House Oversight Committee met with Inspector General of the Intelligence Community on January 12th after committee members had sent a letter to the IG last August requesting details on any programs to reverse engineer or retrieve crashed UFOs. So that was the first major development of the year, and it uh, came as lawmakers from both parties are calling for greater transparency on UAP. That is right, a fight is taking place behind the walls of Congress on what the government should release. It is an uphill battle, as in Capitol Hill. We know that some provisions of the UAP Disclosure Act, which was part of the larger National Defense Authorization Act, The NDAA were stripped from the final bill that was passed late last year. Representative Tim Burchett, who's been a major player in all this, well, basically uh, said that uh, what happened, you'll hear it in in his own words, added some some validity to the whole situation. Here's uh, Representative Burchett. As you know, I have to be very careful what was talked about in the skiff, but I'd say on a scale of one to ten, I'd give it a four. I'd say the needle needle moved. We had it was bipartisan. You know, my dear friend um uh Jared Moskowitz, um AOC was in there, Luna, the whole gang. We had we at one time we had sixteen congressmen in there, and these were people that normally would not you wouldn't see. And the reason they're involved is because people like our other, your other guest, who I'd really like to hear from him tonight more than me, they have continuously pushed this issue and, um, and, and gave it validity. The other gentleman he's talking about is Ryan Graves, who was on News Nation in a previous segment. Of course, uh, uh, Mr. Graves' organization had uh, much to do with the legislation that has recently come to be. But Burchett also said that there are going to be more hearings There are people that are very frustrated. Others have expressed frustration uh, over a lack of transparency. He said that uh, he believes the Pentagon is holding back information, even in the briefings. He says he has more questions and plans to put together an excellent list of witnesses for the next hearing, but will not be disclosing names for privacy reasons. So what was discussed, we don't actually know, but there was um, 
uh, a leak just a couple of days before about this that comes from a U.S. intelligence insider who, of course, will be unnamed and, yes, does need to be vetted. But since we don't know who they are, it's it's hard to do that. So take it with a grain of salt. But this uh, individual, before the briefing, said that uh, basically you tell them nothing. Although some House Oversight Committee members intimated that they have acquired permission to view classified information such as uh, part of David Grush's complaint to the Intelligence Community's Inspector General, the source said, I do not expect that to occur, saying that the meeting will only be for show. So the back and forth continues on what to disclose and what not to disclose about UFOs. Not only do we have members of Congress who are pulling for top secret briefings or hearings, but they're also stepping forward with more legislation. This is not the first, won't be the last. Previously, some of these have been snuck inside other bills. For instance, the legislation that you know led to, to Arrow and the congressional reports. Uh, a lot of that stuff was snuck inside other bills, and we know that uh, they don't read everything before they pass it. I'm talking about our politicians. Remember, you've got to pass the bill to know what's in it. But yet, for some reason, the UAP Disclosure Act was kicked around over and over and became a really big sticking point of the NDAA and came down to the wire, was it going to be taken out fully or was it going to be a stripped-down version? It ended up being the latter when all was said and done. This new legislation, though, that has been unveiled is to protect those who report their sightings, particularly pilots. We've heard uh, many times over the years, and still do to this day, about pilots of all shapes and sizes and varieties encountering objects that they cannot explain while they're in flight. Now, the Navy a few years ago did something that basically says, well, now we have an official protocol. Well, but what happens after that information is turned over? This sets a precedence, a protocol for what happens as new legislation by both Republicans and Democrats aims to protect civilian pilots and air personnel who report sightings of UAP or UFOs. The Safe Aerospace for Americans Act, as it's known. Pilots will be encouraged to provide information to the U.S. government, namely the FAA, which would then relay reports to the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office in exchange for legal safeguards. Representative uh, Robert Garcia, Democrat from California, says UAP transparency is incredibly important for our national security, which is why we need to create a space where those in aviation have the ability to report their findings and experiences. 
He says this bill is another step forward for disclosure and to provide a safe process for UAP reporting by civilian and commercial personnel. It's refreshing to hear more members of Congress actually speak these uh, languages. I mean, we've heard of Rubio and Gillibrand and Burchett and, of course, uh, can't uh, forget about Gallagher. And, you know, the, the, the list goes on. Adam Schiff's even been involved in it, uh, Representative uh, Luna and, of course, others. Here we have Representative Garcia and also uh, a Republican from Wisconsin, Glenn Grothman, who are involved in this legislation. So we're talking about civilian pilots, FAA air traffic controllers, flight attendants, maintenance workers, dispatchers, airlines themselves. This would require the FAA to share any information related to a specific incident with Aero. And investigate the reports further. We'll see whether or not that is going to be done. All of this happening in just the first couple of weeks of the year. Very momentous year that we're coming off of. And the momentum continues here. But it still remains an uphill battle. This is, it turned out to be a uh, bipartisan issue. Because there are individuals on both sides of the aisle who want the truth to come out. There are uh, people on both sides of the aisle who have heard from their constituents that they need to get serious on this and and quit uh, kicking the can down the street, but actually do something about this. And of course, it helps when you have whistleblowers coming to the forefront, like David Grush, who says that uh, the government has been in possession of uh, UFO crash debris, perhaps extraterrestrial biological entities or non-human entities, and there is an active cover-up of this. Of course, we know that led to a hearing just a month later. That led to the legislation for Chuck Schumer that was then debated over the following five months of the year and passed in a stripped-down version, the UAP Disclosure Act. This happening uh, uh, just... uh, Uh, under a month ago when the uh, final version of this was passed. And then the uh, calendar turns over to 2024, and here we are. These events that are transpiring prove that this still remains a top-secret subject that cannot be discussed in front of God and everybody, and so it has to happen behind closed doors. Somebody, though, is going to leak some information, I have a feeling, and we're going to find out exactly what was discussed in that meeting, even if it's at their own peril. We'll introduce our guests on our program right after this. Into the paranormal. paranormal. Heineck and uh, Stephen Bassett joining us tonight on Into the Parabnormal. Paul, the son of the late Dr. J. Allen Heineck of Project Blue Book fame with decades of successful experience in finance, technology, cryptocurrency, fi- and uh, entertainment as well. He works with startups as either a board member, advisor, or part-time CFO, was a consultant on history's Project Blue Book TV series about his father's research 
into UFOs for the U.S. Air Force, holds a Master of Business Administration and a Master in Arts and International Studies as well and a B.A. in French. He is also uh, the CFO of the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance, an organization that we've profiled here on the program pushing for disclosure through uh, Hollywood. Uh, Paul, welcome to the program. Good to have you here. Uh, pleasure to be here with you and my good friend, Steve. Absolutely. Stephen Bassett, a, a friend of the program, uh, regular guest of ours, political activist, disclosure advocate, executive director, Paradigm Research Group. Uh, we've talked about their uh, advocacy efforts. Uh, he's been doing a lot of media work uh, to keep this in the spotlight and is the co-founder of the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance, which is based in L.A. Hi, Stephen. Welcome back. Good to be with you, Jeremy. Good to have you uh, both here. Uh, what do we make of the recent developments that I've uh, discussed so far? I'll leave that to Steve, the, the Pied Piper of disclosure. Uh, yeah. Uh, there is a very fascinating chess game being played. It's also kind of a game of ping pong, uh, which got triggered years ago and finally is coming to, I think, an end. And it's, it's characterized by a number of things, but the ping pong game uh, that I'm referring to is between the Senate and the House. Uh, after years of behind-the-scene briefings, a um, lot of media coverage stemming from the New York Times articles of December 16, 17, 2017, uh, the first move was the Senate. And that was Marco Rubio put some modest language into the uh, Rescue Act, COVID Rescue Act. Uh, that was signed in uh, December 2020. And one of the things it called for was a briefing, public and private, or public and, and uh, classified, I think uh, no later than June 25 of 2021. Boy, that triggered a lot of media attention and brought a lot of credit to Marco Rubio, a former presidential candidate. And uh, along the way, uh, the House stepped in. And what the House did was to... Uh, call a couple of fellows that were associated with the Brian Moultrie, associated with the development of the very first program, which was the UAP Task Force, to come on in and give them a little update. Uh, and this was a House committee uh, chaired by, I think, Andre Carson. And they came in and they really weren't in a position to say much of anything, and I'm sure they really didn't want to be there. And they gave a few statements and tried to show the faith, but it was kind of embarrassing. But it was early and uh, it was still a hearing. It, it was uh, actually really hearing was a briefing, not a, what I call a true hearing. And so that was the House's action. Um, then it went back to the Senate. The Senate then laid out legislation for the next UAP Act. Uh, and this was put together in 2021 and signed in December of 2021. And it was the 2022 NDAA uh, National Defense Authorization Act. And this one was sponsored by Kirsten Gillibrand, also a presidential candidate. Yes, Stephen, we got to pause there as we hit our bottom of the hour break. Our network affiliates are going to have news in just a couple of moments. We'll return with uh, Paul Hynek and uh, Stephen Bassett of the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance after that.
This is Paranormal News. It just wasn't meant to be. Instead of making it to the moon, the first ever private moon lander in the U.S. to launch is headed back towards Earth. The Peregrine lander blasted off on a rocket last week, and there was an explosion on board not long after, which sprung a fuel leak. Astrobotics says the lander will likely burn up in the atmosphere. The company is scheduled for another mission in November, transporting a NASA rover to the lunar south pole. Meanwhile, NASA is delaying its next Artemis missions. The flight sending four astronauts around the moon has been pushed back to September of 2025, while the first human moon landing in more than 50 years has been moved to 2026 due to safety concerns and development issues. George Henry, Paranormal News. Congress unveiled a bipartisan bill to let commercial pilots report their UFO sightings to the government without fear of recrimination. Under the legislation, the FAA would be required to relay potential UAP sightings to the Defense Department. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he's being told information about UFOs is being withheld from Congress. The United States government has gathered a great deal of information about UAPs over many decades, but has refused to share it with the American people. The House Oversight Committee holding a closed-door meeting Friday about UFOs. Since it was in the skip, I can't tell you what the big issue was, but I will tell you that it provided, I'll say, some validity to what's been said. Like astral travel through space, you never know where you'll land. We can guarantee it will be into the paranormal. Yeah, this has been a process, and one of the players in this has been Stephen Bassett as a uh, active lobbyist for many years, disclosure activist, executive director of Paradigm Research Group, and also... Hollywood Disclosure Alliance is the uh, co-founder. HollywoodDisclosureAlliance.org, ParadigmResearchGroup.org, websites where you can find out more information. In fact, as Stephen was telling us, this has been a process that has been playing out over the past few years. After years of really only being discussed behind the scenes, Congress is now uh, acting in public. This uh, latest bill, protecting pilots and members of the aviation community, is not the first legislation, as Stephen was uh, telling us, uh, pretty much setting the stage for how we get here, uh, going back to the uh, Gillibrand legislation. Stephen, continue your thought on that, please. Yeah, I mean, you've put out a lot of information here already. Uh, So I'm going to shorten this up. I mean, there's been a back and forth between the House and the Senate, and a major development occurred when the House decided to get involved in a much uh, grander way, the Senate had been dominating this, the Senate Intel Committee. And two things happened. It really changed the the, the, uh, the script. And that is, first, Tim Burchett, Tennessee congressman, who had apparently gotten some info. I don't think he was in the classified early briefings. That doesn't mean he couldn't get access to some things and, and kind of get up to speed. After all, there's plenty in the public sector on this subject you don't need to get a briefing from the pentagon and he he decided he's a pretty good guy and he just decided hey i think that the truth is being withheld and i'm stepping out and so burchett suddenly appears he was not well known at all uh 
not, that's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, he, he says he's the 400 and some something is the most most powerful member in Congress. He's not a high exactly. ranking official. And so, but he 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 took this bull by the horns. He came forward and he said, "Look, I don't think we're getting told the truth." And then he came forward again and and said, uh, "I'm pretty sure there's an extraterrestrial presence." He said it several times on several shows, including News Nation and Fox News. And then I think he mentioned we had he, he, he pretty sure we had technology. And so suddenly. Burchett goes from being an almost unknown congressman to getting worldwide attention, major media coverage. He is a player, uh, and he's having no trouble. Uh, he approached the issue very nonpartisan way because it's not a partisan issue. So he was able to be very authentic about it. And his colleagues were paying attention. His colleagues on the subcommittee of the House uh, Oversight Committee, which included uh, Anna Polina Luna, Nancy Mace, they're seeing their colleague getting this tremendous coverage in the news and a lot of positive feedback because he's being frank about the ET issue. And so at that point, he was saying things publicly that nobody on the Senate side and the Senate Intel side was saying, and he's kind of taken the lead. Okay, fine. And then, of course, the Senate passes another bill. That was the third tranche of legislation. And then something else happens. David Grush comes forward as a professed whistleblower. And he goes on Ross Colthart's show in News Nation and, and a debrief article written by Blumenthal and Leslie Kane. Ralph Blumenthal, Leslie Kane, uh, announces that he has come forward. The government is having an illegal, uh, there's an illegal process underway that we have non human tech, non human bodies. He feels this should be given to the public. He was given this information from insiders, he confirmed it with other insiders, et cetera. And this hit like a bomb on June the 5th. And the two, the, that happening, plus the fact that the, the, the House uh, members, almost all very conservative members, without exception, almost all Republicans, so that's changing, saw an opportunity. And they, they apparently went to Grush and said, we want you to appear before our subcommittee uh, and talk about this. And they pretty much in a short amount of time put together the now famous hearing of July 26. I was there in the room where Grush under oath restated everything he told Ross Colthart and was in the debrief article and said some more because he was asked some questions. And it's one of the most important, uh, perhaps, uh, hearings of all time, at least to date. And so now the House is really in to this and things are starting to get complicated. The Senate Intel Committee is the designated committee to bring this, to create the scaffolding for the president to, conf to confirm the ET presence, what I call capital D disclosure. But now the House has evolved. Okay, uh, it, that speeded things up, created uh, a little more complications, but whatever, we're moving forward. And then Schumer makes a very, very major move, a grandmaster chess move, when on the 19th of July, uh, that that was like um, just seven days before the House hearing with, Gr uh, with Grush, but 39 days after Grush went public is when Chuck Schumer made one of the most interesting, profound moves, I think, by any member of Congress. I call it a grandmaster chess move. The kind that happens near the end of a game when all the people watching who are all you know, master players just literally gasp because they're, they're, they're certain that this is probably a mistake 
And then after a few minutes, they figure it out and they, they're stunned because, oh my God, it's essentially checkmate. And what this move was, in the 39 days since um, Rush came forward, he got together with another member of the Senate, but not the Senate Indian Committee, Mike Rounds. He's on the uh, Armed Services Committee. And they put together 55 pages of additional legislation to go into the developing the UAP uh, legislation on the Senate side. That it, some of it had been put up. And he's saying, I'm putting up another 55 pages. And what they had put together in that time was essentially the in, uh, in it with on on top of the previous three acts, but predominantly in this bill, which they called the UAP Disclosure Act, pretty much the entire infrastructure necessary to responsibly, orderly, and transparently bring everything classified in the entire United States government out of classification, under review, and then archived. And in the process, the public would learn everything. Not right away, but starting right away after the bill. It was everything, including all the necessary powers that Congress would have and the White House would have through a review board, as well as subpoena powers, high-level classification, process, everything. It's 55 pages. It's magnificent. But in it was the grand master chess move. And that is, in addition to everything I just mentioned, he stated matter-of-factly that this legislation would confirm the United States government has eminent domain over all of that non-human tech and bodies that Grush has been talking about to the House. And a lot of people that know this issue well, I mean, our jaws just dropped. What he said was this. Any crash material, any vehicles delivered to defense contractors by the government or or by any other source in the hands of these companies and or private individuals, the United States essentially can ex- exercise eminent domain on it at any time, meaning technically it's ours. If we want it to be ours, rather, it will be. There'll probably be compensation unless they consider all the money they paid them adequate compensation. And suddenly, all of this tech and it's and all the technology advancement and study that that uh, these contractors have been d- doing for decades suddenly they're the prospect of them cashing in once this truth embargo is over and the advances they made converted into businesses and shareholder value suddenly looked like it was about to disappear and they had been very patient about this uh, and they were in a sitting in a catbird seat because they're getting paid a lot of money to do this research. They've got the technology in hand because they're defense contractors. They're secure from the federal, the FOIA, right, uh, act uh, because they're they're not government. And so they've always been pretty much absolutely safe. And so they would tease us once in a while, like when Ben Rich said we have the tech to take ET, you know, home and all that kind of stuff. Kind of arrogant, to be honest with you. They're totally cool until he makes that statement. And in that instant, that was the move. Why? Because that that statement that he made, on the one hand, confirmed Grush. The Senate Majority Leader confirmed what Grush was telling you was the truth, which backs him up completely and protects his back flank. And so as far as any more harassment, at least from formal harassment, uh, and, and mitigating uh, 
uh, other actions within government. Uh, he closed that out. So, so Grush is now pretty much substantiated. Uh, he does that. He also sends a message to the Senate Intel Committee. Uh, in case you were wondering, I'm totally on your side. I back you 100%, right? He did that. But with the eminent domain provision, he literally sent a shockwave through the defense contractors. And what was the result of that? The result of that is the first time in the history of this issue. All oh, these defense contractors, these companies, had to co- and, and other individuals in government who who still oppose the truth embargo coming to an end, they had no choice but to take action. In other words, they had to come out of their, their cubby holes. They had to come out of cover. They had to get involved with some intermediaries and or their lobbyists, and they had to tell them, go gut that bill. And that's exactly what happened. It took weeks to come together. We weren't aware of it at all. But eventually, it became apparent that something was going on and that there was pushback against that bill. And obviously, the logical place for this was going to be in the reconciliation conference where the Senate and House bills, whatever that language is in the House, are reconciled for the final language that the president is going to sign. And that's where you strip it out. And so what they did is they went to the obvious people, high-level individuals in Congress who were getting huge sums of money donated to their campaigns by defense contractors. And lots of members, both parties, get this money. But I don't think it'll shock anybody to know that the Republicans get more money than the Democrats. And the, the guys they focused on, and all of this is sub rosa. We're not seeing it publicly. The people they focused on were, not surprisingly, the uh, Mike Rogers, the Republican chair of the House Armed Services Committee, and um, Mike Turner, the Republican chair of the House Intel Committee, very powerful committees, both Republicans. And they also engage Mike. Johnson, the Speaker of the House, and started the process in which these high-level people start putting pressure on the conferencees. These are the members uh, of Congress, Senate, and House that are in conference, going to make the final decisions to strip that bill. I didn't think they could do it. I thought maybe they could get the eminent domain, and his plan was to trade the eminent domain for everything else, the subpoena power, the, the uh, high-level security clearances, the oversight ability of the, uh, the, of the co- uh, members of uh, certain committees, as well as, of course, the, the UAP review board. But they stripped it all out. Okay. And then after that, Schumer goes on the Senate floor in one of those uh, orchestrated things where they, they put something in the record. They're talking, their camera's on them, but there's nobody in the room. That's all right. And he comes out and he says, well, I still think the bill is a success because the essence of the bill, which is meaning the process of bringing it forward eventually somehow is still there. Uh, Kind of uh, uh, irritated that they took everything else out. But, uh, you know, it's progress. And he says that. And he also says, we're going to continue to work to get this done, meaning get the rest of the bill in. And then he's done. And then what? Well, I'll tell you what. Here is, here, is, here is why this is an absolute genius move. One, by putting that eminent domain out there on July the 19th and setting the contractors and those opposed to the bill in motion and forcing them out of cover, what happened was he got the entire defense contractor industry to confirm the non-human technology. Stephen Bassett, Paul Hynek, my guests. We will continue our program with them and take some of your calls as well at 503-506-0396 in the U.S. and Canada. Into the paranormal. 
All right, uh, Stephen Bassett with us, along with Paul Hynek from the uh, Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. Uh, so, uh, Stephen, talk about uh, uh, this whole Schumer thing where he basically, uh, as you told us before, validates Grush. And now uh, here's Burchett saying, well, uh, what happened in the briefing also validated much of this. Yeah, yeah, I'll wrap this up real quick and then toss it to Paul for his thoughts. So essentially, he's also validated Grush, right? And the, and, and, and the stripping of the bill of those powers in no way impeded the Senate Intel Committee from uh, calling a hearing. And they've got dozens of witnesses already interviewed. I mean, more Grushes that they could bring forward in front of the Intel Committee for a week's worth of hearings and blow the truth embargo up for once and for all. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't affect that. And if the Senate Intel Committee does that, and they need to this month, and I'm doing everything I humanly can to get that to happen, I'm trying to get up on the Hill and actually get in front of some of these people. If they hold that hearing, uh, the effect is going to be profound. And the president will then be able to come forward based upon the testimony and say, look, I'm convinced. My people are convinced. My secretary of defense is convinced. We're not alone. We got ETs here. We got ET tech. And boy, you're going to learn more about it soon. That's my job. And bingo, that's disclosure. And you then want to know what's going to happen? Probably the next week, while the world is all excited and everybody's running around and, and their press are going nuts, Chuck Schumer is going to introduce that exact same bill, the UAP Disclosure Act, word for word. He's going to introduce it as a standalone bill. It'll go right through the Senate, and they'll toss it over the House and say, okay, strip the powers out of this bill this time. And bingo. We're in the post-disclosure world. The entire structure is set up. Kathleen Hicks just told uh, Defense Scoop recently, I think uh, a couple about a week ago, that they expect to have Arrow completely staffed and ready to go by September. Uh, Susan Gao, at the uh, spokesperson for the uh, Defense Department, has confirmed this. Uh, so if they disclose in February, help by September, they're ready to rock and roll in the post-disclosure world. That's, in my view, what's going on, and that's why I'm so optimistic. I'm sure Paul has, has some thoughts on this. Yeah, Paul, right? weigh in, please. Paul Hynek. Uh, yeah, so I view disclosure kind of like a pineapple. It looks foreboding and pointy and sharp on the outside, but because of the efforts of Steve and Danny Sheehan and others, we're now looking at our first real glimpses at that sweet fruit of forced exposure and disclosure of this information. You know, we're, we're up against big odds because if you put yourself in the mind of an Air Force general, their job is full spectrum dominance. It's not compliance with pasty-faced pencil pushers on Capitol Hill. They don't care about a subpoena. They don't care about the Constitution. Their job is to protect the country against enemies foreign and domestic. And it's really easy in that mindset, if you're a career Air Force general or Navy admiral, to believe that if you've got these secrets, your job is not to lessen dependence on fossil fuel. Your job is not to make the world a better place. Your job is to dominate. And if you're in the catbird, and if you reverse engineered propulsion systems, or you've got a lead to some type of truly game-changing technology, you may have to pry it out of their cold, dead hands. But 
what Steve and Danny and others have done is this kind of, you know, Steve likens it to chess, is this really deft sequencing of levers to get one power center either working against or in coordination with another one to start to tip the balance. And we may actually get real information here. You know, I'm, I'm as Steve knows, I'm, I'm fairly skeptical because I saw my father led around by the nose for, for decades right. by the U.S. government that is not one monolithic block that has turf wars and warring fiefdoms inside it. And so I'm just eternally skeptical of what they say or do because of what I perceive to be this mindset deep in the core of the, either the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, which is a whole other kettle of fish, or these, you know, career military people who acting in a way that they think is right would do anything they can not to divulge a technology that could overnight render our enemies unassailable. And that's one of the reasons why we say it is still an uphill battle. I'm talking with Paul Hynek and Stephen Bassett. We've got another hour with them. Into the Paranormal store is open. Show off our brand with all sorts of items in the store at ParabnormalRadio.com. of sorts is still taking place behind the walls of Congress. What should the government release? What should they not release? My guests are Paul Hynek, son of the late Dr. J. Allen Hynek, and Stephen Bassett, disclosure advocate. We've been having a uh, very informative conversation so far. And Paul, we've got lots of time for you to uh, talk in this segment here. So you had mentioned uh, that you are a bit skeptical uh, and not very optimistic because of what happened with your father and that those who are behind this, uh, well, really, they're not in the business of of disclosure. And if I'm putting words in your mouth, please correct me. But but how do you think your your father would react to uh, the, the developments these days uh, as the former science advisor for Project Blue Book? I, I think he'd be intrigued, especially by the public stance of the United States Navy which is diametrically opposed to the dismissive attitude of the Air Force, which was basically nothing to see here, folks, please disperse. But the Navy has come out and said, hey, um, we see these things in the sky. We see them in the water. We see them all the time. We're concerned for the safety of our aviators. We could use some help over here. 
you know, that that's just amazing. It's 180 degrees different from the sort of military institutional attitude that my father stared down below those many years. So I think that would be the thing that jumps out at him. I think he would be working with Steve and Danny and others in the disclosure movement. You know, he was, you could say he was a government guy for a long time. He worked with the, the Air Force during the war. And of course, after that, and he, he had, he, he maintained ties with the Blue Book folks and people in the Air Force. So I think he would have seen that there is this kind of sea change in the attitudes of congressmen like Tim Burchett and others who are leading this charge. And I think he would have been very pleased with that and tried to make force more of that to happen. Paul, you say a sea change. Did your dad uh, kind of change his mind uh, as he went through his work with Project Blue Book? Uh, Yeah. You know, he started as a confirmed skeptic um, and thought, and this is before UFOs, this was the days of flying saucers. He thought it was all a bunch of uh, bunkum, uh, post-war hysteria, as did most mainstream astronomers. And I'm pretty sure he thought it was all of a few weekends worth of work when the Air Force came calling to him and said, hey, could you help us explain these things? Uh, I don't think they said the words tamp down public hysteria, but that's really what the business of Project Blue Book was. Someone once called it the Society for the Explanation of the Uninvestigated because they weren't interested in, in really finding the truth. They just wanted to make sure that the populace wasn't altogether too frightened about it. But, you know, funny thing happened on the way to the uh, debunking parade. Um, Over the course of years, my father had a front row seat to many of the most compelling cases. And he always thought the cases that had eyewitness sightings by Air Force pilots who were trained, of course, by the Air Force were very compelling. And he came to feel not because of this or that case in particular, but because of the accumulated weight of the data and the patterns it suggested that he helped with Jacques Vallée to tease out of the data, that there was just too much to be swept under the rug, too much for natural weather and hoaxes and whatnot, that there was always around about 5% of seriously studied cases that defied all the resources that he and the Air Force could bring to bear, that there were credible witnesses, corroboration, uh, either with other people or diagnostic instruments. And so he didn't become a believer because I don't think that's a word that scientists traffic in, but he became, let's say, an acceptor of the data that indicated that there really was a phenomenon. And I think there are basically two kinds of people in the world. Those who are okay with questions they cannot answer and those who are not okay with their questions or their answers being questioned. And I think a lot of people have a hard time, let's say, leaning into the UFO or UAP phenomena because they'll say, yeah, okay, I hear that the Navy says they see them and I heard about this case and the New York Times and Tic Tac but I don't know where they come from. And I I think 
it's it's helpful if people can say, yes, there's a phenomena here, and then be comfortable in what is often an awkward intellectual resting point of saying, yeah, there's a phenomena here, and I have no idea where it comes from. The more that people can do that, the more people will really embrace it, will shift from the UFO curious to the folks that really see this as one of the most important phenomena in history and one that we might be on the precipice of cracking. So I'm interested as a a consultant on Project Blue Book and and now your work with the the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance, uh, what your stance is on how uh, Hollywood uh, plays a role in this process, because that's really what the organization's about. Yeah, and Steve can speak more eloquently into the organization as it's his brainchild. Um, but Hollywood, you know, I think the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind is a good example. Uh, you know, Hollywood needs drama. You know, you don't have movies named Village of the Nice Happy People. You know, you need to have people fighting in one way or another. And so that's what sells tickets. So if you're going to make a movie about aliens, by and large, you're going to get more attention from studio executives if they have ray guns or, you know, abductions or enslaving humanity. So Close Encounters kind of went against the grain. Okay, there were abductions, but there were kinder, gentler abductions. You know, it went against the grain and... I wouldn't say humanized aliens, but made them come across as as not overtly hostile. We don't really know why they were here, what they were doing, but they were they wanted to communicate um, and you know not take us over. So a movie like that, which has a lot of incidents and details from real life reports, so it's got that verisimilitude sort of gave a lot of people in the 70s license to accept for themselves and talk to others about an experience they had that beforehand they may have been ashamed about, terrified of, and didn't know how to process it. So you have Close Encounters and other programs and recently Project Blue Book, which is some you know truth and some fiction, that do a really good service, sometimes more than an echo chamber of UFO books can do, to bring people in where they say, wow, that's an interesting movie. Let me come for the the fun and the drama and then stay for the fact that this is a bona fide phenomenon. So it's really good to have uh, Steve's idea come to fruition, and he's been doing this in various guises for a while. Uh, that's how we met before in a previous incarnation of a of a venture like this that steve led yeah so steven talk about the influence that hollywood has had and will continue uh to have in this process yeah um uh, by the way the, the hollywood disclosure alliance was founded by myself and my public relations uh professional uh, dan dan harari uh who's based in hollywood has been forever uh and it's hollywood disclosure alliance.org I I would um, I, I certainly agree with Paul that uh, during the time of his father and for the majority of the last seventy six years the mindset of the military uh, of the government military intelligence complex uh, the beloved military intelligence complex is has been pretty stern but I would be a little more generous I think I think most of it was out of fundamental patriotism uh, they viewed it as a serious concern a national security matter 
uh, and obviously we classify a lot of things uh, uh, that are high-level security issues like atomic energy secrets and so forth. So I think what has happened, there's been two sea changes. The, the, the majority of people in government, I think, have now shifted in favor of disclosure to one degree or another. And the reason is, is in the early days, there did seem to be a potential threat from these ETs uh, without question. And, the, and, and they knew about abductions eventually. And so while abducting uh, somebody from their home and doing work with them and then returning them is not the same thing as in, you know, invading the country and taking it over, uh, it, didn't, it didn't assuage their national security issues. But what happened is over a long length of time, they began to understand that the truth embargo about this phenomenon, which is not a secret, it's never been a secret, has been so corruptive of the uh, relationship between the people and the government uh, that it's undermined uh, literally confidence in government, leading to very serious threats to our country. And that those threats uh, actually out, uh, outweigh uh, their earlier concerns about the ETs. And so they have shifted to wanting to get this done. I believe that they're in a favor. Hollywood has had a similar sea change. Hollywood and the film industry, because of the fact that ETs are here and sightings are happening all over the world and have been going back to the 40s, has had this hugely interested public, intrigued, what have you, um, about the subject. And so, well, given that, what do you do? You make movies about it, fictional movies about it, and they made tons of money. I mean, I'm talking $100, billion, $200 billion in total revenues of all sources on this subject alone, the highest grossing genre in all of film. And so they're going to do that. And they did. But at the same time, Hollywood sort of understood, meaning the film industry understood, that the U.S. government's policy was, no, this was not to be acknowledged. More importantly, everybody is not going to be shocked to learn that the film industry, particularly on these, some of these big films, they get a lot of cooperation from our military. Uh, just ask Tom Cruise. And so if they were to go up against that policy, that could create real problems for them. And they chose not to do it. They chose not to fund any activist movement or efforts or any research. And they chose not to allow any documentaries to get high-level exposure. Certainly not a single documentary of the type that matter. A couple, I think one documentary about Von Daniken's work a long time ago. That was it. Nothing else made this, the screen. And they weren't prepared to uh, support the independent documentaries. Uh, they were made on shoestring budgets over many years. It could have been done in a short amount of time. And, uh, and, I get, and that was just the understanding. I'm not going to fault them for this. I'm simply saying that's the way it was. Well, that's all changed. And uh, Stephen Bassett will tell us how and when that changed, pushing the uh, UFO disclosure agenda through film and documentaries and television shows. It's the work of the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. More with Stephen and Paul coming up. Into the paranormal. paranormal. documented extensively how uh, Hollywood has portrayed 
UFOs and extraterrestrials throughout the years, particularly during a part one with the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance when the Shans and Mr. Dan Harari joined us. Check out and now our featured presentation for that discussion. Uh, Continuing with Stephen Bassett, Paradigm Research Group and Hollywood Disclosure Alliance, along with Paul Hynek, who's with the Disclosure uh, Hollywood Disclosure Alliance as well, and the son of the late Dr. J. Allen Hynek. All right, so Stephen Bassett, why the change in Hollywood when it comes to you know getting something big on the screen? Well, they were watching what was happening. Uh, they've been following everything that's happened since 19, uh, 2017, and they're they're well informed. And they're seeing that we're heading for disclosure pretty quickly. And so I can assure you that all over the uh, Los Angeles County, there are nonfiction projects related to UAP ET in various uh, forms of development. Uh, and a perfect example of this is that Spielberg, who obviously did Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, that uh, Paul's father was in, had a cameo. I do not think it was an actual abduction in that film. I think there was an intimation of it, but not an actual one. Mm. But a number of years later, Spielberg in 2002 actually dropped a 20-hour series, a kind of a nonfiction-fiction hybrid series in which abduction is, is a key thread through the entire 20 hours. He drops that in 2002. I believe that he thought that disclosure was in play, that things were moving in that direction, but it didn't happen. And so he backs away, goes off another project, particularly Schindler's List in the nonfiction show a project. And then we, we've obviously gone much further. And this time we're really in the final you know, lap of the race. Uh, what does he do? He drops a season's worth of four episodes of nonfiction documentary series called Encounters. Uh, four uh, episodes, each involving a very significant case, nonfiction. And it gets huge reviews and it, and if, and it, uh, huge views. And it follows in about, I think, 18 months, two years after Bad Robot, J.J. Abrams, huge A-list studio, drops a four-hour nonfiction series on this called UFO on Showtime, which quickly became the highest rated show on F- Showtime ever. And so Hollywood, the, the overall film industry, which includes Canada, UK, and eventually India, uh, knows that uh, pretty much we're on the way to ending this, the stigma's gone and the risk to doing this is, is gone and they're going to start adding their resources which brings us to Hollywood Disclosure Alliance the reason that Dan and I put this together is because and particularly myself I am quite aware of the path that all of the UAP people have taken going all the way back to uh, Alan Hynek and, and uh, uh, Donald Keogh uh, Stanton Freeman and on and on and on. All of these people were trying to get to the truth while the government was saying there's no truth there. And at the same time, the government had the Roswell vehicle in its possession and the bodies and other vehicles. And so they're, they're, they're basically trying to do something the government doesn't want done and is going to make it as difficult as possible and put them through the ringer. And they accumulated a mass of evidence, thousands of books, documentaries, un- untold number of, of, of accounts, research accounts, hundreds of thousands of collected uh, uh, abduction cases and contactee cases. And what can't happen is that now that the mainstream is, is, is starting to see this is where it's going, 
uh, and as well as the companies, commercial companies, are going to jump in here. They're, they're going to be ten, they're going to be tempted to just say, "Look, you guys, you know, great, good, good for you. We'll take it from here." And that just that, that's not going to work for me. These people need to be brought in. They need to be brought in as consultants. They need to be working on these films. They need to be given money to do other films. Hence the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance, some of the uh, best and brightest minds coming together. More with Stephen Bassett, Paul Hynek, I'm Jeremy Scott. Into the Paranormal. This is Paranormal News. The seal on the sample of dust from the asteroid Bennu that was brought back to Earth by NASA's OSIRIS-REx spacecraft last September has finally been broken. The team has been working for the past three and a half months to get fasteners on the sample container unstuck. They had to build new tools to use in the sterile environment to remove the stubborn fasteners. The team has begun to disassemble the container to access the rocks and dirt that make up the largest haul from an asteroid ever collected and delivered to Earth by a human mission. Samples will be distributed to scientists around the world for analysis. George Henry, Paranormal News. Lawmakers continue to push for transparency about UAPs, unidentified anomalous phenomena. We've heard from dozens of pilots, both commercial and military pilots, but especially commercial pilots, that are, you know, seeing things in the sky that are hard to explain. Six unknown UASs made multiple flyovers and circle patterns around the ship. We had an aircraft in front of you, it's, uh, 37, that reported something passed over him, and uh, we didn't have any targets. So, a UFO. For the first time, commercial pilots are now going to have the ability to report UAP incidents through trusted reporting channels, uh, and they don't have to fear repercussions on their medical license or from their employer. Got something to say? Call Into the Paranormal at 503-506-0396 in the United States and Canada. Skype callers, reach us at ITP51. It is an uphill battle. You're getting an understanding of why this has taken so long to get to this point. From the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance, it is Paul Hynek and Stephen Bassett, also with the Paradigm Research Group, my guests tonight. So... We have uh, this organization being formed in which to uh, push the disclosure agenda uh, to try to get these individuals uh, as consultants or maybe even uh, more than consultants, uh, and, and and that's the goal here, right? Uh, essentially, we're trying to make it uh, obvious who wants to get involved on both sides. Uh, but particularly on the film industry side. So they are identified. And so they endorse uh, the HDA by allowing our bio and, and picture to be put up. Uh, and, and thus, people in the UAP field know, gee, that person is open to this issue. I need to do this. I need to do that. But HDA is not a commercial entity. It will, it, it will sell no products. It will not charge subscriptions. It will not be part of any deal or consult. It simply brings people together. People in it can do whatever they want, get whatever deal they want. God bless them. That includes me, includes Dan, includes Paul. 
uh, we're on the executive committee. But yeah, we're members like everybody else. But the HDA doesn't do deals. Uh, and in that sense, it's going to be as pure as Caesar's wife. It just wants to help others get together and make deals. Why? Because if we get an announcement from the president in the coming weeks or month or so, I hope to God, the demand from the world for content, high quality, nonfiction content of every type and series, films, docs, all that is going to be overwhelming. There's going to be huge money to be made, but it's also important that this, this content uh, happen. How else are they going to find out about it? Uh, and uh, we, we also want the information that's put together and out there to be correct. And the people that have been working in this field for 60 years got the information. Most of everything they've done is right. It's just the government said there's no there there. And so why are you doing this? Well, that's about to completely change. And so these are the experts that the film industry needs to be going to, not some some producer or you know, scriptwriter or something who read some sci-fi when he was a teenager. And we're, the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance is designed to get these two groups together to help inform the world. And we're going to have members from all over the world, already do. Um, uh, so it's not just L.A., but, you know, Hollywood is the symbol term, uh, some term for the entire content creating world i like to look at it that way and so that's what the hda is about paul's part of it yeah paul you've uh noticed this have you uh that is the question uh within hollywood uh a change here that uh producers directors uh those uh major companies behind them uh, are more interested in producing this type of content or what well i think they've always been interested in UFOs and zombies, uh, they do well at the box office. But I, I think what I see now is more of a of a desire to do a, a bit of a deeper dive because I think maybe the surface level stuff has all been done, you know, the ray guns and things like that. And I think a lot of people in Hollywood are, are, are have sort of osmoted a bit more knowledge about deeper levels of the phenomena. A lot of them have personal experiences or, or know people who do. And they, it's not so much that they want to like Western union send a message, but they, they see that there is so much potential for fascinating drama in a movie or TV show by going to a deeper level. And for that, it's folks like from the Hollywood disclosure Alliance that can help them because not only do we, have experience in the UFO field, but a lot of us have experience in entertainment as well. So we know how to speak their language. So with this increased appetite for more meteor treatments of the subject, that's, I think, how the, we can move the needle in terms of public awareness and acceptance. All right, Stephen, I want you to break down this uh, new legislation as much as you can for us, the uh, Safe Aerospace for Americans Act, and particularly the role in which uh, Ryan Graves played in that, one of uh, the individuals who participated in the July uh, briefing or hearing last year, uh, has had an experience and now has formed this organization Safe Aerospace for uh, Americans Act is is the name, but uh, but his group, Americans for Safe Aerospace. So he played a role in this, uh, but so did uh, a couple of uh, uh, politicians, one a Republican and and one a Democrat. Yeah, Garcia and Krishna Murthy. Um, yeah, this is the ping pong game I'm, I was telling you about. Um, so Schumer makes his move. 
And now it's time for the House to do something. And so what they did is they they uh, looked at the situation and said the previous legislation that the Senate uh, put in and passed covered witnesses and pilots and so forth in the government, Air Force pilots, military pilots. Uh, it didn't cover civilian pilots. So that was an opening for them to create a bill to cover civilian pilots, which we also know have been suppressed from talking about things they see while they're up there. Uh, so they've now, if this passes, will protecting them, which is just going to increase. Well, it does two things. It increases the number of reports that commercial pilots could make without fear of any damage to their career. But it also validates, in a sense, the huge number of reports that did come out uh, in the past and thus adds to the giant, massive pile of proof that we have, obviously, non, non-humans here. And so this is, this is the House doing their thing, and that's great. We're happy about that. And the question is, what's the next move? I think it you know, goes back to the Senate. And the next logical move is a Senate Intel Committee hearing, the big one, the final one, at least the final pre-disclosure hearing. Now, after the disclosure, after the president makes a confirmation, I assure you there's going to be more hearings, a lot more hearings, uh, covering a range of things. Uh, everybody, it's, you know, even the Agricultural Committee is going to want to get in on this because you're talking, you know, it's it's pr- perfect political uh, 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 reality, uh, per- per- political opportunity to to be asking intelligent questions about an extremely important issue with huge numbers of people watching. And so, yeah, there's going to be tons of hearings as as the Congress gets much more engaged uh, in this process. And and so you can count on that. Uh, they will there'll only be more hearings after disclosure, but there'll also be countless press conferences. And if the uh, uh, UAP Disclosure Act gets passed in full, the disclosure plan, as Schumer and Rounds conceived it, will get underway. And it will be a lot of stuff is going to come forward quickly. Uh, not the bodies or the, the, the crash vehicles right away, but probably a lot sooner than they might expect. Uh, the contact issue will come into play very quickly. That's going to be a big deal post-disclosure. They're going to have to acknowledge it's true. A lot of the people that are coming forward uh, you know, from the military intelligence side, like with the To The Stars Academy, I mean, a couple of them are contactees, and they finally said so. number of the people that are joining up from the Hollywood side on the uh, Hollywood Disclosure Alliance have acknowledged they're contactees. In other words, it's, it's becoming really cool to be a contactee. And after disclosure, hey, if you're a contactee, Hey, enjoy, man, because everybody is going to want to talk to you, mm-hmm. which means some people are going to try to fake it, but you now that's inevitable. Uh, so it's all, the cake is fully baked. It really is. And now we have to take the damn thing out of the oven. Uh, and I know that there's some people that it's hard for them to shake the, 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 the feeling that the government has, has kept this so long that like a, like a, a person holding a bad stock, hope, hoping, hoping, hoping that it'll come back, right? Uh, they can't let it go. But in fact, they, ha- they are letting it go. And it's only a matter of the last, last, last few moves. And one of the reasons why it's been trickier than it needed to be is that we've gone through a pandemic that killed millions of people. Uh, we have gone through, uh, in the entertainment side, the WGA and SAG strike, just devastating strike. And then we've had extraordinary, highly dangerous events occurring overseas, which will is going to cause 
the uh, Bulletin of Atomic Scientists to move the doomsday clock closer to midnight. It's all, only at 90 seconds now. Uh, for a Gen Zer, they have no idea what I'm talking about, but a baby boomer certainly does. They're going to move it probably to 70 or 75 seconds to midnight, which is basically saying we're just one blip from a nuclear war, in which case none of this matters. And I happen to think that the ET presence and the agenda involved has a lot to do, if not everything to do with the nukes. And so what's what's in play now is so massive, so profound that it's almost overwhelming. A history will spend decades and decades trying to cover and explain and understand everything that's happening right now all at once. It's everything happening all at once. <laughs> I think that was the name of that movie. And I'm just trying to keep up. And it ain't easy. And I'm stressed. <laughs> so so uh, I invite people to, to jump on board. Look, uh, if, if you are uh, a person that has some time and grade, in the UAP research activist, journalist, documentary world. Uh, uh, contact somebody in the uh, founding member list uh, or anybody you may know and ask them if they'll, they'll refer you to the executive committee. If you have time and grade in the film industry or, or you could be in both, but if, you, if, you're, if you're sort of mostly on the film industry side and you'd like to be a founding member, do the same thing. Ask to be referred to the executive committee uh, through one of the founding members, and you'll be considered to be added on. We we, we want to add, we want to get up to two, 300 members. Uh, but it's not just anybody. I mean, we need people that have, you know, some 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 valid and, and lengthy experience. Uh, and so do that. And also, uh, I, I've got a project in a way called Shift Storm. Don't forget the F, Shift Storm at shiftstorm.org. Yeah, thank you, because uh, the FCC is listening. I appreciate that, Stephen. Yeah, we, we are, we are, uh, we're, we're, we're directing people to send thousands of tagged Twitter messages on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, you can do it into Shermer, Warner and Rubio, the three senators who really have the power to call this hearing anytime, the Senate Intel committee asking for this hearing. And it's tricky. It's, it's simple. All the, the information is there at shiftstorm.org. but it, you know, you just tag them it's at Senator Schumer. We want the hearings. Thank you. And it goes right in there. The senators, uh, 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 the notifications box. And so once it fills up with thousands of these, the staffer calls up the senator and says, you need to look at the notifications box on Twitter. And boom, there they all are. It's, it couldn't be easier. That's all on shiftstorm.org. Let's put a few, you know, 10, 15, 20, 50,000 tagged tweets into these three senators. You can send the same message to all three. You can send the same 10 messages to all three. Just change the wording, okay? Uh, and it will help. Give them the message, we need this hearing. So that's shiftstorm.org. HollywoodDisclosureAlliance.org, uh, uh, ParadigmResearchGroup.org. Uh, these are places where you can learn a lot and get involved because uh, it's time to. It's going to be time to party here pretty soon. We want everybody to join in. Oh, and by the way, Paul and I will be speaking about this in depth and part of multiple committees at the Contact in the Desert Conference coming up on May 30 in the in the resort uh, town of Indian Wells near Palm Springs. We're going to have an AI panel, disclosure panel, a contactee panel, a witness panel, and, of course, 70, 60-some speakers and lectures. Paul will be involved in all that, lecture, panel, so will I. Uh, it's going to be a major celebration, Indian Wells. Uh, it, you, got, you, you, you need to book your hotel through the, the website, and you need to book it soon. I mean, they, they, they booked the entire hotel out for the conference, but those rooms are going to go fast. Uh, so don't call the hotel. Go through the website. 
for the contactinthedesert.com website and get your hotels as soon as possible. We expect 3,000-plus people there. Absolutely amazing. Uh, support that event as well. I'm going to get there one year. It just hasn't worked out for us to uh, make it there, but we've got plenty of other events that we'll be attending uh, this year, certainly as part of our road show, uh, including the uh, UFO Fest in McMinnville, uh, the McMinnimans UFO Fest coming up on May 17th, our live broadcast, and we'll be announcing more details about that as well in the coming weeks. We'll come back and have final comments with our guest tonight from the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance, Paul Hynek and Stephen Bassett. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal. Into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott into the paranormal tonight. Stephen Bassett and Paul Hynek, our guests, HollywoodDisclosureAlliance.org. If you're interested in finding out more about what they're doing, all right, gentlemen, uh, we've we've talked about quite a lot tonight. Uh, tried to sum up what has happened and maybe what's going to happen. Uh, Paul, let's go to you first for some closing comments. Well. Um... We may be on the precipice. Steve may convince me that we're about to have capital D disclosure. Um, you know, I, I I've seen this this play before, but there are different elements. So I'll, I'll say that um, I I've been basseted here. <laughs> That's what I do. I bludgeon people into submission. <laughs> All right, here, here's my closing remark. You ready? For those of you that think disclosure is not happening soon, let me call your attention to two things. One, moon pies. And I haven't had a moon pie in years, and I'm trying to find the damn things, and I can't, but I'll eventually catch up with them. <laughs> moon pies has launched a worldwide campaign, marketing campaign, explaining in very high production value videos, I mean top of the line stuff, how they are going to start selling their moon pies to aliens. Okay, just let you know. And then secondly, Larry David is uh, is going to be closing out Curb Your Enthusiasm, the final show in which he is going to reveal that he is, in fact, an alien. Oh, that marketing campaign is already out there. Uh, And what can I say? I mean, what more do you need? Okay, we're here. It's going to happen. Get ready to party. All right. And get ready to start, you know hit me with, you know, consulting bids, <laughs> documentaries, happy to be involved, whatever. Uh, Spielberg, call me. Call me, Bubala. You know, I, I, I'd love you. I want to work with you. <laughs> and I think Paul has a few, uh, few, few on his hit list, too. Well, you never know. You never know. Uh, I hope I hope that uh, day comes. I mean, Stephen, you've been working for this for quite a while. while. Mm. It'll happen. It'll happen. Uh, and so, uh, and, and the podcast industry has helped. Let me tell you, the, the 85 million podcasts that have suddenly emerged, of which half of them are e- about ETs, let me show you, that is really making it tougher for those that would just rather not have this happen. Uh, what can I say? Uh, I've done something like 300 now, maybe 400 podcasts. I got like 10 more scheduled it's uh you can't you can't beat that i mean the truth embargo is basically cooked 
And the people that defended have have been defeated. They just don't know it yet. Okay. But they'll, they'll find out. And we're going to, we're going to have enter the post-disclosure world. And who knows? We might just fix some things. Wow. A lot, a lot needs fixing. I will agree with you on that. I don't know where we start though. (laughs) Oh, I know. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be turning Paradigm Research Group into a little think tank, going to go nonprofit, full nonprofit, 501c3, raise some money, start putting out white papers and hanging around the hill with my opinions, ready, you know, at at a moment's notice. Paul may be doing something similar. Danny Sheehan's got a huge think tank he's putting together. Gary Nolan, the the Nobel Prize nominee guy, he's got a, a scientific think tank going called Soul. Let me tell you, the party is just getting started, folks. Yeah, so Paul, we are uh, alive. Any any projects you've got specifically coming up? I serve at Mr. Bassett's <laughs> disposition. <laughs> He's got his fingers in a lot of pies. Trust me. Um, and so it's uh, it's going to be a great time. But we're all we all have one thing in common. We want the truth out. The world needs to know this truth. I, I don't care whether there's some awkward stuff in it. I really don't. Uh, I don't expect everything to be just wonderful. When 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 is everything just wonderful? But everybody oh. living on this planet needs to know this truth before they die. And there's a that lot means of uh, awkward next month. elements to this E.T. Uh, yeah, reality. sure. A lot sure. of awkward ones. Yeah, so what? Gentlemen. I mean, that, that's that's what that's what evolving is about. That's that's what makes life interesting. Not not that everything Absolutely. is going to be the same, but there's going to be change and and uh, and challenges. Uh, and these are good changes and challenges by and large. If these ETs were really evil, let me tell you, eh, we'd be they could take us out in like ten minutes, right? But yeah. they're not, right? They've been around forever, and they're still around, and they're making clear indications that they want to be engaging us openly. It was a pleasure having both of you on the program. Thanks, uh, Paul Heineck and Stephen Bassett. Same here. Good to have you here, and it won't be the uh, last time we hear their voices on this program, I hope. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon, somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, between paranormal and abnormal, I'm Jeremy Scott. Good night. God bless. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.